Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Coaching Roundtable podcast. Today, you are joined by myself, Isabel Ross, and we also have Daniel. Hello. And Ashley. Yes, hello, everybody, and welcome to Season 3. Season three, well, what would you yeah. know? And do you know what is amazing is that for the first time in forever, it's um, Victoria that hasn't been in complete lockdown. It's everyone else pretty much. Daniel, have you have you been in lockdown? What's happening there? No, we've been we've dodged it, except that we've just put up the borders. We're in the we're in the dome. We don't nobody's allowed in. That's you're basically keep, it. You're keeping the infected people out. Good riddance. Yes. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah, so which is you know so it's better than um, Brisbane and Sydney and every other state. But, but I'm pretty sure, and and you know I'm not trying to compete, but I'm pretty sure that um, the um, the um, lockdowns you've had in Brisbane and whatnot haven't been quite as harsh as Victorians, Melbourne's ones have been. No, we've certainly up here in Brisbane, we've only been doing the short, sharp yeah. lockdowns that are just long enough to knock races off the list off the calendar but um having said that this time we didn't get any races knocked off but i for uh i know for brisbane trail ultra and for the guzzler they are now working their butts off to make sure their races go ahead and uh blinking awesome yeah yeah but like you did you were you limited like um in how far you could be from home and how long you could be outside exercising, any of that sort of stuff? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, we were limited to, I think it was two hours for exercise. You had to go, it was only to your local shops during yeah. our sh- our short, sharp lockdown. So um, yeah. having said that, I'm amazed when you draw a circle, just how much is it within five kilometres yeah. As far as shopping goes, it's crazy. Yeah. But, um, yeah, no, it, for me personally, recovering from surgery, I haven't yeah. left the house. So, yeah. 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 So through how the recovery is going. Yeah, because the last uh, time we, we, we spoke about it on the podcast, we didn't even say who it was that was going to be getting – oh, we did, but, you know, like – it was, you were only about to go in for surgery, and then it starts, but then we had a bit of a break after that, and so, yeah. That's it. Well, it's it's four weeks now post-surgery, and um, look, it's coming along. They ended up drilling two holes through my tibia, um, and they've uh, put some screws in there, and I'd ripped the um, the meniscus out of the bone. So they just they just cleaned that off and created a new groove in the bone, and then they've um, stitched it back through the bone by drilling holes through the bone and stitching right through. So I can actually feel the stitch in the front of my leg, but it actually it starts in the in the back of my leg, if that makes sense. Oh. And uh, I'm still very bruised from the surgery. Yeah. And still on medications, et cetera, to, to help with that. But, look, things are going well. I am learning very quickly that this is going to be a long, slow recovery because yeah. any time I move it, 
oh, the the pain either the next day or immediately is next level. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, as the surgeon said, basically this is the, the one operation that he does where you have to be incredibly slow and he said, as a runner, you are going to be the most frustrated runner on the planet. And, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty much getting that way. But, yeah, I've, I've made it to the bottom of the driveway twice in the last four weeks. And other than that, I, apart from to go to hospital for treatment for cancer, um, I haven't left. And, and going to hospital for treatment for cancer was very painful because I just couldn't get comfortable in the car with my leg. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I need to put you in the boot. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. It's, it's getting like that. But uh, I've got a 48-degree bend in the knee now um, as of yesterday, and it's meant to get to 90 degrees between week six and week eight post-surgery. So it's certainly on the way. Yeah, so it'll, it'll get there. It's just going to take a long time. I'm just sitting here. I'm bet you, I don't know if Isabel's doing the same thing as me, but I'm extending my leg to what I think is about 48 degrees, and so <laughs> you're limited to there, are you? That yeah. yeah, that's that's the limit of it. Basically, if I go past that, it's excruciatingly painful. But that's actually where the knee locks up at the moment. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, it, um, yeah, it'll it'll come back. The the this, the worst thing is when I look at my legs, you know, without my pants on and such, and the muscle uh, wastage. It's oh, phenomenal. Like, I cannot believe how much. And I, I look at that and I go, there's a year. Like I can just see a year to rebuild that muscle Well, you're going to where it was. Yeah. When you start doing your rehab, prop, like getting into deeply into the proper rehab and then getting that mobility back, and then you're going to – when you can, start – I, I mean, I reckon Isabel will agree with me here. You need to get on the weights, mate. You need to strengthen yeah. those, like, you know, like, you know, to, to get on a, a decent weights program and start really building up the leg strength that way. But you'll build up muscle just even from when you start being able to walk around, you'll start building up muscle again. And then, yeah, but, yeah, you, it could take a while. But I think the best thing to do is, like, focus on, like, when you are the, like those little milestones, don't try and think about the end goal, you know, like when you can run an ultra again. Imagine how good it's going to feel the day you're able to run around the yeah. block again, you know. Oh, look, the day that I can just run a lap of the oval yeah. is going to be a magic moment. I can promise you that. Well, of course, so. you're going to start to running around the oval by, um, you know, run, walking, blah, blah. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. And that's just it. This this will be a, an absolute again a zero to hero rebuild absolutely um, type scenario. So it's going to be very interesting tracking that and maybe reporting about that and filming that. Um, yeah. Take yeah, yeah, take some do some measurements of your um of your the the, the diameter or the circumference sorry of your of your leg. My leg. Yeah, and, yeah. and see how that, it changes. That might scare me at the moment. That, that would be interesting. Yeah. I haven't done that, so I'll do that and report back next week when we and record the next episode. Start plotting it as you start to regain muscle mass, or you'll probably continue to lose a bit of muscle mass. And then if you um if you hit the hit the Oreo cookies, you might replace that muscle mass with a little bit of a uh, little bit of fatty tissue. <laughs> oh, I've, I can definitely feel that around my midsection. Oh, That's really? for sure. 
Can yeah. you do? Are you able to do core activities, or does that put too much strain on the knee? So I tried. Uh, I was told that I would be allowed to start doing upper body work from week two, and yeah. I tried it at week three. And the next day, I had obviously moved my knee enough trying to do that that I, I couldn't move my knee, and I was just in excruciating pain. And I went, right, okay, I think I need to wait a little bit longer to do the, the upper body stuff. It's amazing how much you move your knee yeah. trying to do upper body work. Isolating yeah. it's really hard. Yeah. Even, so, yeah. yeah. And then it would be just a matter of even just like the fact that you have to, to tense up a bit. Yeah. Um, that was yes. painful. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. But look, it'll you'll get better. You're only going to get better from here. Each day, today, well, tomorrow will be better than today, and yeah. so on and so forth. Yeah, that, that, Yes. That's yeah, good. it will. Mm. Um, we look forward to hearing and your Daniel, progress. Tell everyone what's um happening for you this weekend. Oh yeah, so this weekend I am participating in the. Adelaide 24-hour race. So mm. that's – and it's actually the – it's organised by Ultra Runners SA, which um, which is run by Ben Hawkins, good mate of mine. And he um, it's the final year of the race. Um, he's, he's – unless someone takes it over, um, he's going he's – pack, he's shutting up shop. So going down there to run at the Uni Loop in North Adelaide um, for 24 hours – and see how many, see how far I can go in that time, and <clears throat> so that'd be fun. <laughs> so yeah, I uh, I figured building on the I came out of the Hubert, yeah, with, with no injuries or anything, and I all I, mean, I I recovered for a couple of weeks, didn't do a great deal, and like since Hubert's been two months, it was two months ago, yeah. and I've maintained some, like pretty good training. I haven't done as much mileage, but I've done. I actually in many ways feel fitter. Um, and I, I definitely uh-huh. I feel faster because I've been doing a lot more speed work. And um, so, yeah, we'll just see how it goes. Go into it. Um, I've never done a 24-hour. I've done the six-hour down there before. I've done yeah. that a couple, a few times. And I was always, like, wanting to get back for the six-hour because six hours is kind of a really um, an intimidating period to run because – Yes, you did. Yeah. Have you ever, got to run it fast. you got to run it fast and you don't – yeah, and it just – it's like I always call the six hour the mega marathon because it's like yeah. it's you run it sort of at marathon pace by accident and then you go you get to the marathon distance and you've still got hours to go and you're like oh bugger me yeah <laughs> yeah but uh, I obviously take a different approach to this to my pacing um, I'd like to as I said before off air I'd like to hit 200 k's so basically that means 50 kilometers every um, every six hours and which is very much i think within my capabilities um yeah. when, when i've done the six hour i did i did 65 kilometers in six hours and so and i'm actually i'd say i'm fitter than that now but so i'm being con- a little bit conservative because i do know that the last 12 hours could is the is the big is the great unknown yeah. <laughs> is where it goes um but you know, so based, but based on what I did at Hubert, 100 miles in 23 and a half hours, I think that without, but that was with elevation and terrain, and it was a, you know, trail race. But this is a lot more controlled. It's, it, yeah. it is, I'm excited about the fact that I've got my little, I'll have my little setup, 
and with all my food ready to go and I've done the numbers on my food um, so I can <clears throat> I know what to eat. I'm going to be eating a, t a, a ton of Morton, drinking and eating uh -huh. Morton gels and a bit of real food and a couple of cliff bars and um, but yeah, worked out to be it's going to be a lot of food to get in that I've got, but I um, that's you got to eat, you know. So it's exactly right. You've you got know, to eat. Yeah, I'm sort of like it, the forecast top is 17 degrees. Which I, is perfect I, running weather. Huh? Perfect running weather. Oh, so good. And like I say, I was really worried it was going to be wet and cold and. And um, that would not have made us. Uh, the wet doesn't bother me, but it's the wet feet that bothers me. Yes. You know. Yep. And so, if it's if the ground is if it's dry, it's going to make life a lot better. Um, but yeah, I mean, I know there's a lot of people doing it uh, here in Adelaide, the six and the twelve. But it's cr you know what the course record is on this particular one. There's this guy named Felix. I think he was from Germany a few years ago. He ran yep. two, 260 kilometres in 24 hours. Holy moly. Yeah. It's huge distance. Yeah. And it was like every, the top, like I think it was like the top five or six, they all ran over 200 kilometres, you know, which never never happens, you know, like. Um, so, but um, even guys, you know, like running two, it's, I think people don't, it's hard for people to get their head around. It's hard for me to get my head around that kind of. Um, yeah that kind of speed but yeah but um yeah and so it'll be fun 10 o'clock saturday morning july the 10th until 10 o'clock sunday morning july the 11th and the, can people um follow you or get you know see what's going on yeah uh, there'll be a link which i shall i can share um i haven't received the link yet but you can look and it, so every lap you run over a little timing mat and then um and that gets uploaded almost straight away online. So up, I think it updates every couple of minutes. And then you just can see and you can find out um, how many laps a person's done. So it's a 2.2-kilometre loop. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So it's just enough time to get into a bit of a rhythm before you come back around. And, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I try and keep it to no about 15 minutes per lap, give or take. So, but yeah, we'll see how it goes. Obviously, do you when you did it, Isabel? And this is something I because I mean, generally, I don't try and bank time in ultras, but I think we automatically do anyway. Um, I was, um, I started my run walk strategy from the start, yeah, that's my plan, yeah. So, what was your run walk strategy? When uh, you well, I think at the time, um, you know, it was uh, I started with run 13 minutes, walk two minutes, basically, yeah. Um, um, and um, and that slowly degenerated to, you know, it ended up, you know, run 100 metres, walk 100 metres. It ended up just with me walking, quite frankly. Um, but it was like 35 degrees, you know, when oh. I – it was just – and I'd been training in Melbourne winter, you know, with, um, you know, two or three degrees, and, yeah, so it was pretty hideous. But, um, yeah. That's a big I, shock difference. Oh, yeah, it was huge. So, um, but I started that run walk strategy, and to be honest, I was the only one. Yeah. Everyone was running for the, at least the first hour. But Nikki, you know, Nikki Wind, yeah. she yeah. Told, no, stick to your guns, do it yeah. from the start. And she was 100% right because I won overall. So, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, won overall. That's so yeah. good. Yeah. 
that's no just, i'm glad that's reassuring because i do have a strategy in mind which i'm going to yeah. and i and i do am going to start it from the beginning so yeah but and, my, and what is that strategy well on a number of my long training runs that i did earlier this year um where i would run i would walk one kilometer i think i talked about yes. one kilometer every yeah. out of every 10 k's and yeah. i i liked that because the 1k gave me enough time to actually feel recovered and but and and get some actual solid food into my belly yeah. Um, oh yeah nice and so it's like a meal you know like i think i'm going to adopt that strategy for the first six hours at least um and see yeah. do, you, do you feel like that's a good strategy or do you think it's would you i mean i know it's not the same i like the reason why I like it is because it means I can get into a rhythm for, you know, 45 uh, minutes. How long would you be walking for, sorry? And one kilometre. So, so that might, 10 might, minutes? Yeah, 10 minutes. Or do you think it's too long? Oh, it might, yeah. Too long. Too long? Yeah. Yeah. So do you think, what? Because I'm just trying to think of why. Run again? Ten, run 10 k's, walk 1 k. See, I think you're running too far before you walk and then you're walking too long. Yeah, I, I would pers- I would well the strategy that I like for running that works for me is fifteen two. See, I liked the tw- thirteen two simply because it was easier to break it into fifteen minute blocks because you've got then a seventeen minute block which is a bit. Yeah, it's a bit of an odd block. Tricky. Yeah, I just I just set it up on my watch and it just goes right. You've you've been running for fifteen minutes oh. now. Walk for two. Yeah, yeah, you can that, do it. That. That's a good idea. Well, the the other strategy that I've been toying with, and I think you'll like this one more, as I mentioned to you before, there is a small hill that goes for about 200 metres, right? And it rises about, oh, like 10 to 15 metres. And, and, and it actually is near the start-finish area where you go over the time map, which is where my aid station, all the aid station and all my stuff and everyone else's stuff is. Yeah. And my other strategy was thinking, that I was going to jump, going to change to, but I might start it earlier and just walk every lap, walk that hill and and then go maybe walk that 200-metre hill and then another 200 metres beyond that or something like that. Is that like – because that way – because I know from doing the six-hour, even though it's a very subtle hill, it gets really hard after a while. Like it's a little – it's got just a little pinch near the top of it and you sort of – after what you really feel it in the calves. Um, I, so, I think that's a very sensible move. Yeah. So that way you're basically running two kilometres and walking 200 metres. Um, so, yeah, that's so that's essentially if I was doing, say I was doing six and a half minute Ks, that's 13 minutes of yeah. running, then a couple of minutes of walking. You reckon that's, that's more what you would do, isn't it, Isabel? Yep. Yeah. I reckon so. I reckon that's better than the the 10k 1k. Yeah. That's funny. I, cause I have been toying with the two ideas and a lot of people do that, but a lot of people don't it takes so much self-control, doesn't it? To to yes. let people just run off. And yeah. you, even though but the fact of the matter is, I guess that's comes with the maturity of 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 competing is sticking to a and it, it goes with any race that you do. Yeah. Sticking, sticking to plan yeah you're sticking to your own plan i've certainly had that where i've been we've taken off at the start of a run and mm-hmm. uh i was probably in the top sort of five or ten places and i was chatting to a guy and you know we were running along quite happily chatting chatting this was an 80k race and 
we hit the first hill and I started walking. He goes, is everything all right? And I said, yeah, this is my strategy. Yeah. Like, I, I need to stick to it. And he goes, rightio, well, I'll see you later. And the fact was I did see him later. At 50 days, <laughs> I overtook him. Yeah. So, yeah. No, you... if, if you have a strategy, it, it does take a lot of discipline to stick to it, especially but when there's no that perceived doing peer pressure. Yeah, and it's, yeah. you feel embarrassed or whatever it is. You know that you're the yeah. thing or whatever before everyone else, but you know what? It, like you said, you did see him again. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. Fuck it. I'm gonna do it. Pardon my French. I'm gonna I'm gonna take that strategy and just and do it from the beginning because I know, I mean, it it, it I know it'll work and I've seen yes. some of the best some of the best performances on that track. Yeah. Um, are people who are walking deliberately, yeah. quite frequently. You know because look. Yeah, I could run amazingly for six hours, eight hours, even twelve hours. But yeah. then I could be sitting on my ass for after that. I could be sitting on my ass for four hours, and I don't want that. My plan is to not sit down. Yeah. Put it this way: I don't want to sit down until I've at least hit a hundred miles. I'm not. I'm not planning on having a unless I have to um, do some sort of shoe maintenance or you know yeah. but the plan i'm not i'm not taking any I, if i want to have a, a hot meal which i probably will i'll just i'll walk i'll extend my walk break a little bit longer so i can get that and i'll just walk and eat you know yeah. there's no and the thing is so what i might do is set it up so that each lap i come past i can i can i start walking just before i hit my little aid station where i've got all my food grab something and just keep moving yeah. you know and then just keep walking, you know, like um, because also, yeah, no, there's no – I was going to say, it's not a race. It's not a two-hour race. It's not a six-hour no. race. It's a 24-hour race. And I want to be running to the end, you know, or as much as – I want to be doing more running at the end than, than walking, you know, I know, which is hard. If I can get – if I can keep it so that by the end I'm at least doing 50-50, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah that would be good. But we'll see. For- from what I've seen in, in ultra running, those people who enter the first couple of races and who don't have a coach, you know, they've self-coached and they've done quite well with for themselves and they take off at the start line, two or three yeah. races later when you have a chat to them, they have a completely different strategy because they yeah. learn really quickly. Yeah. It's a steep learning and curve, isn't it? <laughs> it is a steep learning curve. And the, the fact is in a race that long, those race strategies that you have beforehand where you've discussed it and you're going to walk, like, for example, you might be going to walk the downhills instead of the uphills because the eccentric contraction on a race is going to wreck your legs. As a beginner, yeah. you're not going to know that, and your coach might have said that. You don't know that until the end when it's all of a sudden, you know, yeah. you're running into the end, you're feeling good still, like, and you're actually able to run at the end of an ultra. Yeah. And it's the same for you. You won't really realise those that strategy, how important that is, until the 21st, 22nd, 23rd hour. Yeah. But that's absolutely. when it will really come into play. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm just I'm just in the – I'm going to Google something because I want to – because I think pacing strategies – we've talked about it a lot, I realise, and we didn't really have a, a structure for this um, episode because it's more of a catch-up episode. But I think it's – that's one of the biggest questions people have when they're – um entering ultras they always i don't know how fast to run you know i don't know but whether it's how fast to do their training runs or how fast to rat to pace and i think a race like this where it's very like 
there's not many variables. You know, it's like it's just going around basically a flat circuit. And, you yeah. know, like, so it's a really good, there's some really good analysis of um, um, pacing. And I just think, you know, it's worth us talking about it um, a bit more. And I know there was um, Andy Dubois from Mile 27. Um, he's a pretty well-known coach. And um, you know, I've, got, I've got a fair bit of respect for him. But he talked about pacing and ultra. Um, he wrote a really great article on his website, which is titled, um, yeah, mile27.com.au how to pace an ultra and I'm just sharing some information from that and um, there's a there's definitely like um, a drop off that he, he they looked at the power output of runners over um, oh, when they start um, it, they like they so they, they're looking at what power output is sort of the important thing to take into consideration. And then basically they, they divided they, – this. there's a study done and there were four groups of people, okay. Um, group one um, – it is a 24-hour race. Group one, they started out the slowest, right, in their 24-hour in their ultra. Um, and – but they ended with the most distance, so, yeah. you know, and they, so it was starting out slow. Um, the, then there was, um, the, I mean, it's worth people checking it out. I can add the link to it. It's a really interesting article and it's an eye opener for people. So nice. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and looking at like, so basically the elite runners are going to start out the slowest. And like, so you go, well, what makes a person elite? Like, like, I'll be honest, Isabel, I reckon I could, I reckon I could beat you over yep. 5Ks. Yeah, definitely. 10Ks. Pretty well. Yeah. Oh, no, but what I'm getting at is I think this is what makes just people like yourself, it's that ability to have the restraint and to use. That is one it, thing I'm really good at, and I'm not trying to, you know, yeah. be well, but I'm really good at pacing myself. Yeah, and pacing is everything. You don't, I mean, like, yeah. what's the maximum speed you're going to hit? in a 24-hour race, even if you're if you're at the front of the field, they're not going to probably go that fast. You know, it's not about – I mean, I do a lot of training at my top-end speed, but I'm not going to be running anywhere near my top-end no, speed. No, God, no. You know, but people if you're running anywhere near your top-end speed, anywhere before the last five minutes, yeah, um, you're going to pay for that massively yes. for oh. hours. Yeah. So it is – like I always constantly think that what's the difference between an elite ultra runner and an elite, um, oh no, just an amateur ultra runner, and it is it's more about discipline than anything else. Yeah. And it comes discipline in pacing, you know. If you can't hold back, like see, Warmsley did that. He won hundred mile. Uh, he won Western States again, you know. But he used discipline. You know, he, he ran fourteen forty six for a hundred miles. Now I'm not sure what pace that is. But you know, when if you broke, if you look at that as a pace of a relative to his top end speed, yeah. it's nowhere near his top end speed. You know, it's not about how fast he can go. You know, like well, if about, he could put his marathon times together, he would yeah. finish in uh, nine hours. Exactly. So it's much slower. Yeah. So yeah, I think, and, and like that, I guess at the end of the day, it, it's more about how smartly you pace in an ultra. Like, 
yeah you know yeah but um definitely worth checking out but a little bit of um harm min- minimization you know like minimizing from the start the harm that has been caused to your body from the from the run yeah so go, can you elaborate on that well, because, you know, in a race, it, you're inherently incurring muscle damage, you know, energy depletion, all these things which are negatively impacting your performance. And basically what you need to be doing is ensuring from the start that you are minimising that, not not speeding it up. Yes. So and speed up that harm that harm by going out too fast, by sprinting past people to prove a point or something I don't know you know like um uh, following you know following someone else's racing strategy like you've got to stick to your guns and you know the harm minimization comes from sticking to your plan and just sticking to it no matter what unless of course you need to change it um but that what I mean by sticking to your plan is not not taking on someone else's plan just because you happen to be running with them for 10 minutes you know yeah or, or letting it all fly out the window the minute the race starts. Yes, because... and go, oh, but I felt so good and fresh. Yeah, the reason yeah. you felt fresh was because you've just tapered. Yeah, and you're I'm, fit. And you're, and yeah, you're really <laughs> – yeah, you tapered, you're fit, and yeah. you don't want that bloke to beat you. You beat no, him all the time at park run. Yeah, <laughs> but you don't want to waste that, that fitness by burning it up. Yeah. In, um, in the first 5Ks, and you see so many people doing it, it's such a waste and it's such a pity because you'll, you'll basically never know what they could do. So true. Uh, um, going back to your the pacing strategy that you use um, mm. for the 24-hour, where which I'm probably going to do a very similar thing in the end, yeah. um, did you, um, when you actually are running, what sort of pace are you? Is that just you're still running at your easy pace? Oh, I run by feel. Yeah. Yeah. So, so comfortable. Um, yeah. So I just run at uh, what feels comfortable for me, as in manageable, and it should feel easy, as in I shouldn't. I don't believe in that I should be huffing and puffing yeah. in, in the start. I mean, you know, huffing and puffing compared to walking, but yeah. I, I should not feel like I am, you know. Burning my matches, as we used to say in cycling. Like, you don't want to be burning your matches in the, at the start. Yeah, so true. No, I, that's what I thought. Because, I mean, I've been le- – like, a, lately I've been looking more about – thinking more about running comfortably than running easy. Because sometimes yeah. running – forcing yourself to run to a heart rate, for example, might just be untenable some days. It might just be just yeah, impossible oh. Because you're like, you know what, this doesn't feel right biomechanically, but yeah. like, yes, my heart rate is low, but sometimes just upping the pace a little bit to a, where your where your gait is a lot more natural looking um, and feeling, you 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 still your body's just going to operate better, and that's that's sort of the strategy I try and use a bit more these days. Um, but yeah, I think and, if and you I, were to look, you you learn you're running by feel by watching your pace and your heart rate when you're training. And that's how you learn, um, you know, that pace and what it feels like. And then when it comes to race day, you should know that. You shouldn't need to look at your watch. Yeah. I I think that watches with heart rate monitors are fantastic for exactly what both of you are talking about, and that is 
learning how to feel yeah. the right pace. Because eventually yeah. you're going to want to run by feel. The fact yeah. is in an ultra, watches are great, but all of them seem to run out of battery yeah. um, <laughs> during an ultra, especially if it's a six-dayer. So, you know, at yeah, some multiple. point you have to put it on charge to yeah. if you're going to keep using it in a strategy. So you have to learn to run by feel. Running by feel from day one, if you don't use a watch, takes a lot longer to learn than if you have a watch. And I think that's the real advantage of technology Yes, is it gives you a quicker insight into learning how you should feel. But learning to run by feel for anyone who's beginning and, and for anyone who's advanced for that matter in running is really important. Yes, I think it's so important. Like, uh, it's it, I can't emphasise it enough yeah. about how important it is. Yeah, absolutely. And another good way to do it is go go to Kmart and buy yourself a ten dollar Casio watch, and um, and just use that for a while, and just you know like you know what I mean like we've got so I sometimes feel like we overcomplicate things. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so just go, okay, use the talk test. You go out and run with someone slower than you um, or just, you know, like be honest with – because the metrics, you can be a slave to the metrics too much. You go, oh, I just want to see if I can keep my average pace below 5 minutes 30 per kilometre. I don't yeah. care that I feel sick and I feel like I'm going to yeah. throw up, you know. But um, but if you go – if the so there, there is merit in learning to run by feel. Do you know – do you know who runs by feel? Um, is Elliot Kipchoge, great fastest okay. marathoner of all time, and he well, he's good enough for him. It's good enough for me. Yeah, and he he yeah. said he said that when he started training by feel, yeah. it, cha- it changed his career on and a he whole. Trains by feel. He trains by feel. And he races by feel. I mean, there's a plan. I mean, he's got a coach and he's got a team around him. But like, he's got a massive team around him. Yeah, yes. but the, the fact of the matter is he's so he's already very much in tune. Like he's probably had all those years of metrics. I mean, the dude was a was a world champion 1,500-meter runner before yeah. he even stepped up to the longer distances. And so, like, um, he would have been a very, very, like, locked into paces and stuff. And I've seen uh, footage of him doing, doing his uh, – he does 1K reps on the, on the dirt track. Up and um and yeah. like they're very much bang on a, a given time. So he, but I think generally it's speaking, also taken years for him to get to that level. I think it would. Yeah, yeah. So, sure. Yeah. So uh, so for a trick for everybody for doing that, um, I have done this with some of my athletes, and we get a piece of sticky tape and you stick it over your watch, and that way it still records all the data. So you can still get your Strava update and you can still get your Strava mileage for all those yep. people who are Strava hunters. And uh, But you put the $10 Casio watch on the wrist that you would normally put your data watch on. Yeah. And you put your other watch on your other wrist. So you're recording the data. And, yes, you just use that but have the other piece there stuck over. So you, you can still get the best of both worlds. Yeah. And your coach, your coach who's working yeah. remotely can still see the data. But yeah. learning to run by feel but, is really you know, important. Regardless of the coach saying it, it's good to even just look back at your data and just, you know. It's inspiring. It's be, way, mm. feel good to have the data, but, yes, don't – it's it's about not being obsessed by it. Yeah. Yes. Super hard not to. 
But like we, you know, but it is definitely like it. If you put it this way, you will level up. At, you'll go from beginner to intermediate or intermediate to advanced in terms yeah. of your your running like journey, so to speak, if you want to use that. Um, because it it is. It's like, you know, I, I I people look at elite runners as though they're these freakish aliens that have so, everything's different about them, but they're they're not. They've 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 got the same set of lungs, same you know, yes they they have some greater capacities and stuff, but but like so much of is they they go it's about the the discipline to actually listen to either coaches or people who know what they're talking about or, you know, rather than just go out and do what they think is the right thing, <laughs> you know, like, and um, or, or try and win Strava. It's, I'm going to yeah. win, you know, uh, we've talked about it a lot. What a waste, winning Strava. I know. What? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. It's uh, It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. But, no, I think that's a really interesting. Um, It's going to be fun. So, I'm just going to throw this out there. I will publish this episode today because I do have a bit of time. Um, but I'm just going to say, so when any listeners, if there's any listeners who are out there on Saturday and you see me not implementing the walk strategy, the, the strategy <laughs> where I walk up the hill, you have my if permission. Take his uh, park run 5K PB. Yeah. <laughs> if you see me flying around the track early on, go, Daniel, slow down. Tell mm. me to slow down. <laughs> I, I like being held accountable this is like the ultimate accountability call so yeah, yeah. um but no it's um i just i, I look yeah i do want to run well i want to i want to obviously we all get into these things we want to run as well as we can there's a few great runners in there i don't expect to win just so you know i never do but well, it's just one of this race and and um yeah i want to win i mean you should still be want to just do your best like that's mm-hmm. on goal more than anything yeah, and it's about running smart. Like, um, there's um, a couple of great local runners in it. Um, Darren Linney's in there, who has won the Adelaide 20. Uh, he's won the six-day race a couple of years in a row, where he where ran well over 800 kilometres um, in six days. And then there's, like I say, a couple of amazing uh, female runners as well, who's yeah. none of which names I can remember. But yeah, Annabelle Hepworth, of course, from Victoria. So it's going to be fun just to be part of that. And it's a great – and the, the, for any of these people who think doing these loopy races, like doing the six-hour, which I've done a number of times, is actually – it's way more fun than you realise because you're never actually alone. You've always got – you know, there's quite often someone to, to run with you and you get to know everyone on the track really well. Um, you know, yeah. I, I do kind of want to put a uh, – get a, a like a do not disturb sign to put on my chest sometimes though so that, <laughs> i feel like there'll be because you know you're going around so often sometimes i just don't want to i don't think i want to talk to people um yeah. you know just maybe that's when I'll, I'll just put my headphones in even if i don't listen to it i was about to say that's what headphones are perfect for yeah uh, but yeah oh i tell you what i got which is so awesome and I, this is a great aldi deal aldi was selling power banks for Oh, wow. Yeah, and I picked one up, and it is great. It charged my watch because my my new watch can charge on the run, which is awesome. So this next activity, I will be able to do the whole thing. It it charged it from 20% to 100% in just over an hour. Wow. So so that's going to be great. So um, I won't – 
have a flat battery this time. Um, so, so yeah, so it's very exciting. That is very exciting. Yeah, and um, so that's enough about me. But pace, like yeah, like we say, we could talk. I think pacing is a crucial thing to talk about. Um, what about you, Isabel? You're preparing for. Um, I'm preparing for last one standing. I'm going to be doing a 10-hour run tomorrow. Um, oh, wow. I do, you know, 10 loops, um, 6.7K loops, you know, um, yeah. Yeah, we'll just, you know, just, just to have a practice. And full rest, full rest period, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. All yeah. taken care of. Nice. Very That's nice. Another, it's interesting, isn't it? Like the last one standing is another, a whole different kind of pacing yeah. strategy. And look, I've never done it before. Once again, I don't know what it's going to be like, um, so we'll just have to see. Yeah, and you know, um, at this point, what's your planned racing strategy, pacing strategy? Um, what do you think about you know, forty-five to fifty-minute um, laps? Yeah. Yeah. And, and then yeah, and you eating. Do you plan to eat while you're moving or while you're resting? Yes. I mean, like, I'll probably eat some while I'm I'm not, but, you know, yeah. yes, plan to, you know, mm. um, to eat the sort of the more solid stuff, yeah, as I'm moving. Because sitting down to eat is, is a waste of time, to be honest, and, um, yeah. When, but the thing is, with those races, you have to stop each lap. Yes. So yes. You, you might but as well. I would, you know, um, have. I mean, I'm going to have my, when it's the day, I'm going to have my massage therapist there. He'll give my legs a bit of a rub. I'll, you know, deal with any issues that are coming up. I'll go the loo, you know. Yeah. Um, maybe put my legs up for a bit, you know. And I probably will eat too. Um, you know, I'm just not going to plan that as that's just my eating time. Yeah. No, because there's there's heaps of other chances to eat as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I can tell you now that certainly my strategy, if I was going to run this year, which, you know, that's not going to happen. No. So um, my original plan this year was to put a rubbish bin 500 metres into the course. And then mm -hmm. I was planning on eating for the first <laughs> 500 metres and then placing, <laughs> placing the cup or whatever that I had that I was carrying food in, in the rubbish bin. And then I would collect the rubbish bin at the end of the race. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. You, you need to put that in writing for the race director to do because they should have them around the course. Although well, last year at one stage, ice creams were placed at the halfway mark oh gosh. because it had just got so hot that people yeah. needed cooling down. Uh, it was about 2 o'clock in the afternoon and, yeah, Al – uh, he put water and ice, and that worked really well. Everybody was like, yeah, everybody needed that. So it got people just a bit further, um, which was fantastic. And, yeah, to, to grab a Zoopadoopa at 3.5K yeah. in the heat was very good, yeah. I'm sure, yeah. for most people. So, uh, yeah, but uh, eating, eating as you are travelling is much smarter than eating. Yeah. And that down, be, um, you've got a better chance of digesting it properly and, you know, all that Yeah, stuff. all that stuff. Yeah. Um, with the, the um, 
the doing 45 to 50, 50 minutes per lap, what kind of pace is that? Um, seven, course, seven and a half. Yeah. To, to eight. Yeah. So it's quite comfortable, isn't it? Oh yeah, right. yeah. But, it, it's know, all it's almost uncomfortable. We yes. slow. No, I'd have to do it as a run, and we I just because we went out and did three laps, and what I said to Ron was what I'm going to need to do is because I'm trying to run slow is or slower than what is comfortable is horrible. So I'm just going to run my normal comfortable pace, then, then walk. walk, then yeah. run. Walk. So I'm gonna have to do a run walk because running slow, really is too slow for yourself, can cause injuries or issues, and it's just not comfortable. So um, the plan is run walk, but that's always my plan. And for that sort of thing, it's run walk. And you know, I interviewed John Stocker, and he actually said that he had certain markers where he knew he had to be by a certain stage, and if he was ahead of that then he would walk more. Yeah. You know? So I can tell you that on that course, on the Clint Eastwood course, because I know it well, yeah. there are three water crossings and one dodgy section. When I say a dodgy section, it's a it's just a spot where you can easily twist your ankle because it's really rough. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the first couple of laps, you're not going to twist your ankle fingers crossed because you're really alert but as you get really tired that becomes a technical section so i always have had the strategy of where the creek crossings are because there's a a rapid dip down and and then a rapid climb out of those creek crossings i've always walked those so as soon as i come up to one i walk down i walk back up the other side and then i run again and walk down walk back up and then the same with that technical section i just walk through that and that makes the perfect set of breaks. And then there's another section where you just go past a fence out towards the halfway mark and the it's it's decomposed granite, the course, but the decomposed yeah. granite there is actually about two inches thick of like the little pebbly stuff. So it's actually really soft and it feels a bit like you're running through sand. And again, Ooh. I just walk that little bit. Yeah, yeah, I'll be walking that bit because I hate sand. <laughs> so it's not sandy. It just has that sort of, you know, how sand really, it takes a lot of effort to yeah, I know what you run mean. in yeah. sand, yeah. yes. Yeah. So you'll work that out in the first couple of laps, especially. Are you coming up early? Uh, not really. I'm not going to have, you know, time. Cause we're as long gonna... as you don't do what George did. George, in the uh, the first year, I think he turned up with about 15 minutes before the race, like he flew up from Melbourne. (laughs) It was like 15 minutes to start and he's like setting up. I'll be there the day before. Right. Yeah. George, um, who's that? The the little bloke. Yeah. Yeah. um, His his last name for me is unpronounceable. Uh, Is it Mia Carlos or whatever? Yeah, something like that. He's well known in the community. Australia wide. He's a a character. Great guy. He's pronouncing his surname, and I don't, I don't blame him. But uh, yeah. Yeah, nice That's good, gre- good Greek name. My name back to Ross. Great mm. Greek name, that's for sure. Um, so Isabel, have you learned a lot from? In- you've interviewed a number of last one standing winners. Like, do you feel like you've learned have a lot from them? Who else did I interview that won it? Didn't you? Oh yes, I think I have spoken to a few people. Yeah, Kai. And um, Maggie? Didn't you do Maggie? Yeah, yeah, true, true, true. But, yeah, I wasn't interviewing her specifically about that, but, yes, yeah. true. Um, yeah. Well, just being – just piece it all together. 
Yeah, like she slept every lap overnight, whereas John didn't sleep at all. Wow. Yeah. That's weird. How can you sleep? Oh, I don't know what to learn from that. <laughs> I couldn't. Yeah, see, this is where I would find it hard. Like 24 hours, I, I mean, I'm pretty confident I can do easily without sleeping. Um, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Because I did that at Hubert and it didn't, the, the tiredness didn't really, the sleep fatigue didn't hit me until I finished. Um, yeah. But going for a second night or a third night or whatever you're going to get up to, that sounds hard. <laughs> Look, um, it was hard because I did, well, I did two and a half nights on my run, right? And by the end, it was it was pretty um, pretty horrible, but it wasn't so much, it was also the fatigue of climbing, you know, so um, it's going to be different. I just, I just honestly do not know. You yeah. Know? It's a shame you can't get like a head start on your next lap, hey? <laughs> I, I, <laughs> It's just, if you finish, got a that's, bit of it, but I guess that's part of the challenge is that you that have is, to. That is the challenge, isn't it? That is the challenge. That's yeah. the entire challenge. Yeah. yeah. Whereas, yeah, um, it's a, it's sort of an emerging, um, what do you call it? It's an emerging race discipline still. Yeah. It's only in a, it's only been around it's, for a number It is still years. in its infancy, only being six. But years it old. has become so popular. Yeah, because you don't it's, have to be fast. No. It's about endurance. It's a pure it's endurance. Strategy, 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 strategy. Yeah. It's it's massively about strategy. It's also just a fantastic community run because you are seeing yeah. everybody yeah. every lap. Yeah. And that mm. is completely unique in an ultra. Most ultras, you spend hours and hours and hours completely by yourself. Yeah. Yeah. But this race... You, you might spend time out in the course a little bit by yourself, but mm. back at the pits, when you line back up in the corral, everybody's yeah. there. It, it has a whole vibe about it every lap. And, yeah, yeah it's just this fantastic community And it's also, field. I think, a real place where people might find <clears throat> that they do start running someone else's race. Yeah. I definitely think people would find themselves doing that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You're running with other people and you're like, oh, I'll come, I'll come back out on this lap with you. And then you end up running someone else's race. Yeah. And just ruins you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Run your own race. Run your own yeah. race. Yeah. It's for, as much as you might love your friends and meet some awesome people out there, you've trained long and hard for your own race, thus do your race. Yeah. Um, there's that's so many good, good advice for all racing. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of what I was getting at that that's for all racing. And this is going to be like for me on the weekend when I do start walking each lap, is because I know that I think it's not a lot of people like I'll be by myself then. Like anyone who I was running with, who they'll they'll disappear in that few hundred meters yeah. that I'm walking. And um, so yeah, but it is. I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's a race. You want to do your best. You got to do it the, the way that you think is smartest. You know, <laughs> so yeah. it's um it's hard. I tell you a really good concept. I think about the last one standing. They should make it. You could do one like an elimination last one standing where, as in the time, um gets shorter each time by like a minute. Oh. Or every. Now that has that has definitely been spoken about. 
I think that'd be fun. Maybe every hour you get a minute less or something, mm-hmm. you know, like so instead of it being a full hour, it's 59 minutes and then it's 58 That's, minutes. Yeah, as horrible as it sounds, it actually sounds really good too. Because then it becomes like the the it'd get to a point where early on it'd be super easy and then it would just get very difficult very quickly, like because you'd yeah. be sort of suddenly when you get down to um, – 45 minutes you've got to do it in 45 minutes yeah. you know like um yeah so but i don't know that maybe that who knows that could be an evolution of the race and a shorter version of the race because obviously you can't run as far in that time no you know yeah that could be like the shorter version of the race perhaps yeah, yeah the, the, that'd the, be it, pretty it cool forces a sprint edition they do mm-hmm. that with they do sort of things like that with um some track and field i've seen like they do elimination 5,000 meters or or stuff like that where at the end of each lap, whoever's last gets um gets, gets eliminated. A, gets that's a Kieran, tap. Oh, well, that's that's Kieran racing. Yeah, well, it's good in track Routine. and field. Yeah. yeah, it's a great idea. Yeah. I, I love yeah. it. It makes because it means like people every lap there's going to be a bit of a sprint at the back end of the field. <laughs> so um yeah. so you you don't want to be the last one to to cross the line. So yeah. I, now, t- I tell you the other format that I really like for those people who or after the next challenge, after they've done all their ultras, and that's the ultras where you don't know how long it is. Yeah. yeah I've spoken about the piece of string race. I really wanted to do that. But that's I think cool. it's not going to be done again. Really? Oh, they have to organise well, They're done each year in the UK. I just don't know whether they're going to be done here again. But, yeah. Mm. I, I like that idea of no, you just don't, don't know, know that, how long it is. I don't know if that piece of string race is still going. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah, but, yeah, right. I, I don't know. I think it'd be that. That would be another great one to do on a. You could do it on a track. Mm. Would be a great (laughs) one where you say, right, we're running this many k's, and we will tell you an hour into the race, like how far it's going. Oh god. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Just I don't know how we're going for time, but we're probably going to wrap it up soon. Yeah. Um. But I was just going to say. There's a oh we've got a little bit of time I think um just a slight shift in focus I know this doesn't really fit in but I'm very excited about Olympic Games despite all the COVID stuff and I've been I don't know if you guys saw the recently the Australian record for the one mile got um got beaten okay. by Stuart McSwain did he did it over in um at the Diamond League over in I was Doha. gonna say it was it was overseas that was set yeah, yeah. I remember it coming oh. up yeah. He's amazing. I watched it and um, 3:48 for a mile. Yeah, you know, it's insane. Isn't they, it? I mean, they don't do the mile at the Olympics, obviously, but he's he's there for the 1500. Probably one of Australia's best medal chances in the 1500 for years. You know, like yeah. so good. Like, but isn't that a, that? I, I just the way the sport. I'm just talking about running generally, how it progresses. You know, the the thought of breaking four minutes per for a mile was unthinkable until Roger Bannister did it. And then now, if you had a, in that race that he on the the other day, mm. Stuart McSween, three forty eight, the top three were under three fifty. And if you had have run a four minute mile, you would have come dead last. <laughs> yeah. It is Isn't that insane? Yeah. yeah. So that's just yeah, it's next level. But mind you, they had pacemakers and they had pacing lights on the track as well, which uh- Pacing lights, what's that? 
Oh, you've not seen them. They they won't have it at the Olympics because it's um. So yeah. basically, on the inside of the track, yeah, there's different coloured lights that light up. I think they're spaced about every metre the whole way around the track, and yeah. so they set it at a pace. And so I think the green, if you're running in the green zone of the lights, you are on like you're. It's where like world record pace is, and so you can see where. So the runners can see exactly where they are just by in terms of um, – and then if they're in the red zone, they're, in, they're, they're behind world record pace. Do you know what I mean? Like, and so and you've got to, you have to look it up. It's hard, sort of hard to describe. And they, they light up as the runners go around. And so um, um, where the red and green meet is the, the point at which – so as the lights change colour as the runners go around, it's – yeah, it's really interesting. It's a good – I mean, that's how, like, um, when the 5,000-metre re- and the 10,000-metre record got broken last year – um, they use pacing lights, and I mean it's a huge advantage. It's a massive advantage oh, because gosh. it's it's literally like it's a built-in pacemaker, but it makes people run even splits, like the five thousand meter. Yeah, but just, you see, for me, it should be a little bit about. Yeah, I don't know. I, don't I, know. I agree, but that's why they don't have it. They have it at, at um, professional things like um, the Diamond League and that, and, but they won't, it would never be in the world championships or in like any championship races where um, like Olympic games, none of that. But yeah. it, like, it's like, it's a huge advantage. And that's, I mean, this is where I, I get into like, it's, you've got so many technological advantages, advantages in running now, like that we didn't have 50 years ago. Yeah. And um, I feel like drugs aren't the worst thing. You know, I mean, I'm not saying that I'm a, I condone drugs in sport. I'm, I'm against it. Um, but it's sort of like I think we need to really – and the way we do – like nutrition is a scientific advantage. Um, we're so good with nutrition now. Um, um, things like tra- the way the training, the way these athletes train now and the funding so that they, all they have to do is um, – tr- all they have to do is train. They don't have to do anything else. You know some of the elite level ones, but anyway, uh, that's the fact, just... the fact is it's all evolution in the sport. Yeah, and the the whole running race of here's a line in the sand and there's a line in the sand. Yeah, and you know you 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 can't take anything with you. That's, yeah, that's the, the original running of the sport. But as as any sport becomes more and more advanced, we end up with rules that are designed to advantage or disadvantage somebody yeah yeah and that's that's um, the way we do sport. yeah i kind of think a part of me would like to see uh, in like a hypothetical way imagine if they did a drug olympics and a drug-free olympics yeah and so the drug olympics you can take all the drugs you want but it's at your own risk and just to see how much advantage you can get out of them (laughs) you know like you know i mean you'd have people just dosed to the People running 100 metres in, like, eight seconds dosed to the eyeballs with <laughs> – yes. but, you know, yeah, I don't know. But now it's sort of like – I mean, I know drugs in sport is a, a – it's a problem, you know. But, I mean, I don't know how much we see it in ultra running in the top end because I don't think there's enough money involved, you know, like um, compared to big mar- road marathons, you know. So Yeah, I, money, I, makes, money makes a difference to that. Yeah, oh, yeah. But I mm. – st- there would be drugs in ultra marathons simply because um, people just want to do well. Yeah, you do hear stories of like even age groupers using yeah. um, 
doping and stuff like that. Age group, like why? But you know, it happened. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but I mean, then you hear stories of like the Olympic sprint American sprinter who just got banned from running yeah. in Tokyo because huh. she smoked smoked some weed. And I mean, it's not she did it out of grief because her mother died or something. Oh. She was just like she had she was doing using so it as a coping. Much of a um, performance enhancer. It's definitely not a performance enhancer. That's no. But, um, yeah, it is It's a sort of a – and it was legal where she was doing it because it's basically yeah. it's legal in most parts of the States. So, um, yeah, it's all very but interesting. So rules of rules. When I was a mountain biker and I used to get drug tested quite regularly, um, you just have to know. You have to know the rules, what is not yeah. allowed, you know. And I know there's grief and blah blah but, you know, both my parents have died and, and – I didn't feel the need to take marijuana. Exactly, and I'm not saying yeah. that that means she shouldn't, but she's an elite athlete. She should know what, what is allowed and thus adapt. Yeah. You know? And the people and around I, her should know as yeah. well. Sorry? Um, the people in her, like her, her, her training people, the people, her coaching, her, all her handlers, they all should know. You know, yes. they should be like educating them this on shouldn't, it. This should not, it should not actually happen. Like, and saying, yeah. you know, was in grief, like I get it, like I, I know yeah. how, but that, to me that's not an excuse as an elite athlete. No, yeah, the, yeah I think you yes. raise a good point. And I think also there's a little bit of American exceptionalism going on there. I know this is getting a bit political, but, um, yeah, just sort of like they think just because, I mean, the rules are not made, the rules for the Olympic Games are not made yeah. by America. They're made yeah. by the Olympic Committee, yeah. the International Olympic Committee, and they're in line with the World Anti-Doping Association, yeah. you know. So, have when you read. go to the Olympics, you know the bloody rules. Yeah. I mean, you can essentially Google the – anyone can do it, and I encourage people to do this, is Google um, WADA, WADA, World Anti-Doping and, um, Association, and look up what are banned substances for, you know, like because there's different levels. And I think everyone – a lot of people don't realise that they quite often might be taking things. That, I mean, amateurs – you know, like, I think I'm pretty sure, I, I should Google it, but I'm pretty sure that um, even ibuprofen is is banned. But some of it's for a safety reason as well, you know, like, because it, it's, and I mean, how much, how many pain relievers do ultra runners take, you know, like, <laughs> um, yeah, I, think, I mean, rules, it's interesting. Like, I've never, have you ever had to be drug tested after, it, it, when you went to the World Trail Championships, yeah. you did drug testing? Well, not for me. No, I'm not. Uh, no, nah, nah. no. Like, whereas yeah. when I was in mountain biking, it was huge drug testing. Yeah. That's because mountain biking's an Olympic sport. No, this was before it was an Olympic sport. Oh, really? Oh, God, yeah. This was back in the dark ages. Um, there you go. You know? Um, no, 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 no. Not an Olympic sport back then. And that's just, you know, you yeah. just, there was a lot of drug testing because cycling was in always has been, endemic with, you know, um, drug use, I guess. Yeah. Um, they were trying to stamp it out, even from then, back back then. Yeah. Uh, it's worth uh, – um, uh, was it – sorry, was this the pre-Lance Armstrong era? Yep, even pre-Lance. Yeah. What I'm saying. Oh, it's, it's, yeah, okay. it's been going on for a long time. Yeah. And Lance was another one of those guys – who took drugs because to compete, 
because it was happening. Yeah. He just happened to get fired. This is uh, my thing is like banning a thing never really works. You have to ban drugs, though. I know, but this is like you look at prohibition of alcohol, you know, Uh like, and, and, you know, back in the day, it actually caused more death and injury because people were bootlegging and, um, and, but at least when it's re- when it's regulated and out in the open, there's you know there's safety measures around so yeah. people can then. Yeah. But when that and that's why I think that was a big a big thing why marijuana has become legal for recreational use as well as medicinal use um, in in many states of America because it's like it's better out in the open. Hey, the government can get they can get some revenue from it too. Um, I, I just think that by banning things all the time, I, and I'm not, I don't want to see the sport go down the the path of just allowing drugs in sport. But if they do, if they did, I think that you would see, if you created events specifically for people to to participate in while they're drunk, would they? Would you get people even entering them though? Because do people want to? I guess at the end of the day, and I'm just sort of playing devil's advocate here, um, like. Do people? I guess people don't want to be known as a drug cheat. They just want to be known as the fastest. And so, yeah. but um, yeah. So what they it's, would do is they would go in the drug-free races and take drugs and win there. Yeah, that's true. They just find better ways to disguise it, it, wouldn't they? It, it's 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 human nature to a certain extent, you know. Like it's I don't know. I don't know how you would um how you how you combat it. To be honest, I I I don't know. It really upsets me because the reason why is because whenever there's a breakthrough performance in running, whether it's over, you know, whatever distance, people – and one of the, when it's those performances that make it into mainstream media and everyone goes, it's an amazing performance, so many people just question it and go, oh, drugs, drugs. Yeah. They just say drugs. It's like, well, you don't know that. Those, yeah. those athletes at the top are getting so heavily drug tested and tested for do- blood doping and whatnot and sort of like – it's a shame. What I'm saying is, by by banning things, you push it further and further underground. And I feel like there needs to be different regulations. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's. I know it's really complicated. And I, but I don't think, you know, like I think we should. I'd be just as inclined to say, okay, then, get those get those carbon fiber shoes off your feet completely. We need to have a Dunlop volley race. Yeah. <laughs> like just people running just com- the most basic. Shoot, let's see how fast you can run now. Um, yeah. So. Well, we we have seen that sort of thing in, or you see it in Formula One as a prime example, where they will take stuff back away and make it illegal to race. You know, with computer-controlled suspension. Uh, the other one would be swimming. You know, the 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 the, the shark suits, and that shark suit yeah. era where all the records got broken and then they banned. That type of suit. Did so, they keep the records? Were they, did they stay as the records? Uh, they're always referred to if the record still stands as this was set in the shark suit era. Oh, so it has an asterisk next to it. Yes. yes. Yeah. Right. That's so yeah, I, I think that you know, with footwear, you know, with the carbon inner sole, it. Um, yeah, I mean that. That will be reported probably as this is the carbon era. And then, mm. you know, what's the next thing after that? Yeah, springs, rockets, rockets in our shoes. <laughs> you never um, know. The, but this is the thing. Are we going to get to a point in, like, ultra running 
where they limit the number of calories you're allowed to have in a race, you know, like, because I think that would be an interesting leveler. Said so you can only, or the number of carbohydrates you can consume. Um, um, because well, some of ultra- the races are kind of like that. Um, yeah. What's the race across the desert? Uh, so across the... It- MDS, Marathon de Sable. Yes, thank you. So yep. they limit the amount of water you can access. And yeah. then, they, then if you want more water than that, you can get it, but you grab a time penalty for getting for, for asking for extra water. Yeah. Oh, really? Think, yeah. yeah. So there is situations where they do that. The same as uh, last one standing races, you're not allowed to use poles. Yeah. Uh, so, true. you know, that sort of thing does happen. Yeah. We there's so many mechanical advantages out there. Like yeah, poles. People I know a lot of people that call them cheat sticks, you know. Like, but um, and like food. I mean, I'm gonna this weekend. I'm gonna eat a truckload of food, and and I think it'll. But if uh, I think because I know it'll work. But and it is food is legal. But yeah, it's it's um, yeah. I think you get a more even performance. Be like okay, everyone. Here's your food allocation for the race. You're allowed x number of calories um off you go <laughs> so that'd be fun to watch well it's been interesting i've been looking uh recently at fkt rules and mm. the fkt rules for completely unsupported so you yep. have to carry everything from the start except you can access water in a creek or a free tap you cannot buy water or anything like that so yeah and then, you know, like they're going, so that will limit the distance you can travel. And that is true. And then I went, well, hang on a second. What if you started pushing a cart with food yeah. in it? Yeah. You know, <laughs> how far, you know, how big a cart could one push or pull and take food and then set a distance record unsupported with no time um, limit as such? Mm. But a cal- obviously you're going to have a calorie limit. Yeah. No, these are all so, yeah. very interesting. Yeah. Mm. Interesting, interesting. But yeah. Because well, the speaking, of, get- speaking of time limits, we're probably running yeah. out of time. Fair I've enough. Yeah. Or, or people are going to do what I did the other day, and I looked up. I, I got sent a thing for this is a really cool podcast. You should have a listen. And I looked at it, and I went two hours. Whoa. <laughs> That's yeah. a long time. No, I don't listen to talk podcasts that long. I ain't got no time for that. Although this weekend I will I have plenty of time for that. Um, <laughs> 24-hour podcast, here we come. I'm going to download eight hours' worth of podcasts onto my phone. But I, I just so people know, I will not have my phone on me until the evening because I don't want to be distracted by it and going bing, bing, bing. <laughs> yep. Getting messages. Excellent. Yeah. So anyway, All right, well, we look forward to getting that link. Make sure you chuck it in the in the play notes. No worries, today. I'll sh- I'll share it um, for sure. No, it was very good, guys. Good chat. Oh. Good chat. All right, words words of wisdom for this week from me Go. is if you are in if you are injured, take the correct rest. Mm. Words of wisdom from you, Daniel. Um, if at first you don't succeed, just just give up. Yeah. No, <laughs> Just kidding. Do the opposite of that. Excellent. And from you, Isabel, words of wisdom for the week? Run by feel. Run by feel. Nice. Perfect. Nice thing, guys. I like that. All right. See everyone next week then.
Yep. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to the third season. Yeah, wow. Yep. Alrighty, bye. Alright, see you then.